It's a Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. On today's episode, we are going to talk about top prospects in the Panthers organization. We're also going to talk about top moments, best moments, and worst moments of the Panthers 2021-22 season, all on today's episode of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome to this Wednesday, August 24th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Ramon Devales from PantherParkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also follow Lockdown Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden and Lockdown NHL. We'll be covering all the offseason activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, we have a pretty fun show uh, today because this is really, we're really going to spend really all three segments today of the show really talking about tops as far as top prospects and top moments, best and worst moments of the previous season. And, you know, it, with it being the the off season and really the dog days of summer really about a month from the Panthers' pr- first preseason game it, it's it looks to be a good opportunity to really look back and reflect a little bit uh but let me bring in my guest on the show it is a wide ends wednesday edition of the lockdown florida panthers podcast jacob welcome back to another wide ends wednesday thank you for having me i'm really looking forward to this one we're this one seemed it was a pretty fun idea when you sent it over to me. I'm I'm really excited to get this one going. Yeah, man, and let's let's also uh, talk about really at least in the first segment when it comes to prospects of why uh, we're doing this. So Corey Pronman of the Athletic is ranking all of the farm systems from 32 all the way to one, and he's been releasing them day by day. And the Panthers came in at number 25 in the NHL in in farm system in the entire league. And here is uh, his list of the top prospects for the, for the Panthers. He has seven, John Ludwig, six, Mackie Semoskevich, number five, forward, Justin Sordiff, four, defenseman, Evan Nas, number three, Gregory Denisenko, number two, Spencer Knight, and number one, Anton Lundell. And when, when I first, and, you know, watching multiple sports and, Trying to, when it comes to defining a prospect, every league has a different definition of what a prospect is and every person. But according to Corey Proudman, this is what he considers the criteria of a prospect is if a player has played less than 25 games in one campaign, regular season and playoffs combined, less than 50 games total in their career and is 25 years old by September 15th. So those are the categories in which they fit in. Um, so, let, Jacob, I'm going to throw it over to you. Uh, do you agree with this list? And what would you have as your list as top top prospects of the Panthers seven to one? Um, I, I do agree with the top end of the list. Um, 
I, I think on the top end, it's pretty accurate. Anton Lindell and Spencer Knight, of course, are number one and number two prospects. You can flip them, uh, interchange them. They're, they're the two best that we have. I think number three is definitely Grigory Denisenko. Um, he's taken a, a little bit of time to, to crack the NHL. Uh, we're going to see if he's able to put it all together, but I do think he still has high upside. Uh, I, I agree with the assessment on Grigory Denisenko. Um, where where it gets a little dicey for me is I feel like I feel like there wasn't enough respect given to a guy like Justin Sordiff. Uh, I think he has higher upside than what was discussed in that article. But the the one that alarmed me a little bit, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with it. Um, it's just a little bit alarming to read. It, is the assessment of Maki Um I I felt like I felt like what we read about him in that article by by uh, in the Athletic. There's not the the super find in the first round of the draft. It doesn't seem like like that was the scouting report on Sam Muscovich. Uh, I I feel like his production was lacking at Michigan, obviously, but we know that that was one of the most loaded NCAA teams in, in recent memory. So of course, with a bigger role this year, that could all change. Um, I felt like I felt like Sam Muscovich was underrated, um, but if he's if he's not underrated and this is an accurate scouting report on him, then it's it's a little bit of a, uh, of an alarming thing to look at. Um, and then with with number seven, I, I really do like John Ludwig, um, but I'm not sold that he's our best and our best defense prospect uh, at that spot. I felt like Mike Benning was not given enough respect. Uh, this is a defenseman who, while is definitely undersized, um, was over a point per game as a defenseman last season and scored the game winning goal to win a national championship. Uh, he's to me, he's definitely going to be an NHL player. And I, I felt like the uh, the rankings didn't do him justice. So those were just a couple of the ones uh, that stood out to me that I would have moved around differently. But as far as the top end, um, I, I pretty much agreed with the top end of it. Uh, Castro Puccio, again, is another one. Um, have to give him some respect as well after the World Juniors he just had. And he was absolutely fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. Mine was a little different. I have uh, Justin sort of a little higher based on where he uh, – how he did in the WHL with um, with the Vancouver Giants eventually going to Edmonton Oil Kings, um, where he played with his World Junior teammate uh, Sebastian Kosa in the first go round of the World Juniors, but Justin sort of didn't play um, the second go round. So agreed with Lundell and Knight. You like you said, you could switch them at one or two, and not many people would disagree with with, with that. Um, I still have Evan Nals as number four. Grigory Denisenko is still a little bit of a wild card. His international career has been great. Uh, just, just of course, injury last season, kind of the, the jury's still out on uh, Denisenko. Uh, I have Mackie Semeskevich slightly lower. Um, didn't, ha- didn't have the best world junior performance. I, I mean, the, the offense for Team USA in general stalled um, in, in, their, in, their, in the game that they got eliminated. And so... So not not necessarily Mackey's fault. He he does play special teams uh, there, and he's going to get a bigger role uh, this year now that a lot of the players from the University of Michigan ha- have gone on to signing their ELCs. Um, number seven was a little bit uh, difficult for me. Um, it, maybe because this is a little bit of recency bias because I just uh, saw him recently in World Juniors, but Casper Puccio has to be number seven, uh, n- number seven on this list because, I mean – the way he was able to take it to another gear in their uh, semifinal win on on the one and only goal in their in Finland's win, um, just 
on the power play, just getting through the defense, just going forehand, backhand on that power play goal. Just uh, And Casper Puccio in that same game played on a big five-on-three kill, that, that same one, and was part of the of the was on the ice when uh Sweden brought the extra skater on. So, I mean, you Casper Puccio can play really in all situations and you mentioned Michael Benning, undersized 59 I believe he is. So, right. uh, and for for 59 you got he he plays bigger than what his size r- really is. So, an honorable mention for for Mike uh Benning, Benning there. Uh John Ludwig really for him it's been injuries. Uh, that's really the, the been the issue for John Ludwig. And of course, uh, he's not he I don't think he's going to make the NHL immediately this season. But I think that he might be needed um, as, as the season goes on for a few games and he's going to get his opportunity. But it's just really about staying healthy. Yeah, Ludwig is, is a guy who's had he's had a really difficult time with injuries, but he's he comes from an NHL family. He knows what it takes. Um, he's definitely outperformed his draft stock at every level to this point. Uh, we just, he just hasn't gotten the games at the AHL because he's, he's been constantly injured. And then, of course, we had the COVID season. Um, so the opportunities just weren't there. But I, I really do think he's one of the first guys in line for a call-up. Uh, he has impressed in a couple of camps now. Um, so Ludwig is a guy I think is really going to impress. But, um, yeah, and, and the, the thing with the Panthers' defense prospects, they have so many of them. None of them are necessarily the biggest names or like an elite top four uh, prospect, but they have a lot of guys in the pipeline who could fill those depth roles. Um, they, they have a ton of guys from top to bottom who, who could come up from the AHL and play a solid 15 to 20 minutes a night um, right now. And, and all it takes is for one of them to break out. And, and we've seen it happen. Uh, Gustav Forsling is a guy who was a waiver claim and had spent a lot of time in the minors comes in with given the right opportunity in the right system. He really exploded. Uh, so all it takes is one of our several guys who have a decent enough upside to, to really find their stride. And we, uh, Ludwig's a guy who could do it. Benning is a guy who could do it. Puccio is a guy who looks like he could do it. There's uh, Kirstead, Gildon. There's just so many guys we can talk about that, that really have that, uh, the potential to make a difference here. Mm-hmm. And five five uh, players from last season under contract were already coming back uh, this year, even when the offseason first started. So there, there's a little bit of a logjam there for now, but an opportunity at least for to get some games in for, so that for next season um, there there is more opportunities in the NHL on the NHL lineup. But th- this was we're going to continue the fun of rankings. Uh, we 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 talked about the prospects for the Panthers, but now we're going to talk about the top five worst moments of the 2021-22 season. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bet Online. Um, BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live from live in-game betting scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use a mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Second segment here on this Wyden's Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. Today, this Now we're going to talk about we're going to start with the worst moments of the 2021-22 season. And this was 
a little easier to talk about, to put together uh, versus the best moments because there were more good times last season than there were bad. Um, I'm going to go first uh, on, on my number five worst moment of the season uh, was when the Florida Panthers lost to Columbus. Um, the, 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 it was their third matchup of the season. The first two times they averaged eight goals in those first two games against Columbus. One of them was a we want 10. But the third time they face each other at home, it was during that stretch where they faced three backup cold tenders, David Riddich, um, Miko Koskinen, and then this one was J.F. Berube, who played only six games that whole season. And of course, uh, Jonas Johansson was starting for uh, the Panthers. Um, so I, just one of the worst games of the season for the Panthers. That is my number five worst game slash stretch of the Panthers season last year. Uh, yeah, so I got I didn't put that one on my list, but that one definitely stands out because I actually made a trip to South Florida um, to see that one. Um, and as you know, we're, we're both in Orlando, so that's it. Uh, you know, it's not the easiest drive. Um, the three hours, uh, did, did that three and a half hour drive to go see that game, expecting us to get another another win, maybe maybe see us finally hit 10 goals on, on Columbus. I expected at least a touchdown, given the way the first two games went, but um yeah, JoJo did not have his brightest his brightest game. Well, actually, that ended up being his brightest game as a Panther, but we'll get into that <laughs> later, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that one wasn't fun. I'm going to start with an honorable mention before I go into my number five. Uh, my honorable mention is the Panthers' road game in Tampa uh, went to overtime, and Huberdeau set up Aaron Ekblad for a fantastic tap Bro, yeah. ball. Would have won the game easily, and Vasilevsky went full God mode made the save and then Braden point wins it the other way. Um, right off the bench that, too. Yep. Story of that rivalry right there. So close. And then uh, we get killed in the end. So that, that's my honorable mention, but uh, my number five worst moment for the Panther season is Barkov taking a knee on knee hit against the New York Islanders from Scott Mayfield. Uh, mm. Did not end up ruining the Panther season as a lot of people went into panic mode and thought it would, but it did ruin Barkov's chance at winning the MVP this year. I still wholeheartedly believe if he never gets hit in the knee, um, never misses that time, he does win the Hart Trophy. Uh, just if you look at his point pace, his two-way play, he's the MVP of the league if that injury doesn't happen. So that's my number five worst moment. And maybe another selkie over uh, Patrice Bergeron who ended up winning it. Yeah. Um, so may- maybe. Um, number four for me. November 27th against the Seattle Kraken, uh, Chris Drieger and Alex Lundberg's returns to South Florida. And just the season series of against the Kraken was just weird. Uh, you know, you dominate against most teams in the NHL, but you just can't figure out the Seattle Kraken. One of only two teams that the Florida Panthers got swept by. The other one was the LA Kings. Uh, so, and the Panthers just looked flat in that game. Uh, so number four is the November 27th loss at home against the Seattle Kraken. It's so funny that you should say that. And we we did not discuss this, or our, our list before the show, but actually my number four, if you can read that at all, I have it circled, is the two losses to the Seattle Kraken. Um, <laughs> I, I, t- definitely two different times in the schedule, but both times it was the same story. For whatever reason, the Panthers just could not get their legs going against the Kraken. Um, and that was another game that I made the trip to South Florida to see. I uh, got on the highway, drove all the way down to see them play the Kraken for the first time. Chris Drieger's return game, and he slammed the door on us, and we didn't really test him too much. Uh, so that was a 
that was a tough one. I have both losses to the Kraken as my number four. Number three is actually in a win. Um, but what happened in the win was just really hard to see once again. Uh, March 18th against the Anaheim Ducks. The Florida Panthers win. They end a road trip and have a six, a few, like a week off before making a Canadian road trip. Right before the trade deadline, Aaron Ekblad goes down once again, now with his other other leg. Um, this injury wasn't as bad as the first go-round uh, last season against Dallas. But, um, of course, missing him for the rest of the regular season. Yes, they took advantage of his LTIR space, but it, it – it, who know who knows what an effective Aaron Eckblad could have been come postseason had he finished that season. And of course, he's always going to be a Norris candidate um, for, for the next few years as long as he plays at at the pace that he's been playing. And there there's been times where he's been a point per game player, so uh, as a defenseman. So it, it was a win, but it was a really uh, it, it really sucked the life out of you uh, knowing that the that we were going through this again. Yeah, that was a tough one to see. I think everybody was was uh, you know had you had your hearts in your in your throat at that point, um, given what happened to, to Eck last year. Um, and again, not so much for the personal accolades, but the fact that he didn't get to go into the playoffs with any kind of rhythm at all. He gets thrown into the playoffs uh, completely cold, and he didn't he really didn't perform at his at his very best in the playoffs. It took him a little bit to get going. So I think that injury had a lot to do with it. And much like Barkov with the Hart Trophy, Eck was very much in the Norris Trophy conversation at the time he went down. So that was a tough one. Um, my number three is another game that I was at in person. And this was kind of a trend early in the season. Was Every every time I went to a game, we would lose. Uh, had a, a little bit of a Twitter campaign going to keep me away from the arena. Um, but this one, this was probably the worst loss I saw in person. And this was the 8-2 to two loss to the Ottawa Senators. Um, this was right before the Panthers got hit with the COVID outbreak. We had a few guys in the lineup, a few guys out of the lineup. Spencer Knight was in goal, and for some reason, we never got the full story on it, why he played the entire game, but he gave up eight. And by the time it got to goal number six, I remember seeing I remember seeing Spencer just lay down on his back uh, in the crease, and he didn't look like he wanted to get up. And he ended up giving up two more goals after that. So that was a, a really tough one. I kind of butchered his rookie save percentage, but um, still finished over a 900. So even with an 8-2 to two loss on his track record, that's a pretty good year for, for Spencer. That, but that game in particular was not his best or anyone on the team's best. That was a tough one to watch. I have that game specifically as my number two. And that was also the start of Spencer Knight being sent down to the AHL. Before even the Panthers went on their break, um, on their COVID break, um, Jonas Johansson was scheduled to start that road game against the Minnesota Wild before those games got rescheduled because there was we didn't know what was going on also with Bobrovsky as well. There was a lot of speculation on was did he have COVID? Did was he hurt as well? We we never got the, all the answers of that, and yeah, um, and and also with. I didn't put this in my list, but because it happened in the same week, um, it was pretty much an expected loss um, later that week against the LA Kings uh, as well, where every where half the lineup was they only dressed like eighteen skaters uh, total. So it had to call. I remember Denisenko, Schwit, 
Kirstad and someone else. I, I forget who, who there was one more. Uh, Chase Prisky was in there. Chase Prisky as well. So those, those four guys had to be called up and it was just, and Hey, Kirstad got, got his first goal in, in that game against the Kings, but not a, not a very memorable game as well. So uh, that is my number two. What is your number two, sir? My number two is actually kind of piggybacking off of my number three. Uh, that number two was, was uh, the second loss in this stretch, but um my number two is the stretch of December 12th through December 27th. Um, That was a period of time where the Panthers went two weeks without a win um, because there were, there was a a slight losing streak and then the COVID pause and uh, the Panthers came back. I believe they beat New York, the New York Rangers in their first game back. But for those two weeks, uh, the Panthers didn't have a win uh, given that they were on a three game losing streak and then hockey was paused. Uh, for a few days. So that was really tough for any Panther fan. You couldn't, we had no wins to celebrate for about two weeks. And uh, right after the holidays, we got back to it. But that was a, those two weeks, I was losing my mind. It felt like a, a small sample of, of back when we were in the COVID bubble. So that's my number two. Mm-hmm. My number one, maybe we might have the same one. I'm willing to bet we probably do. May 19th against the Tampa Bay Lightning, game two uh, yep. against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Ross Colton scoring with three, 3.2 or 3.8 seconds left um, in the game. And Nick and I, ha- of course, recorded after. We never said it was over, but in our heads, we we knew that that series was over. And, of course, one mental error um, between Forsling and Uyghur and – and then it just ripped the hearts out of this team the fan, and the fan base. So that is my worst moment of the 2021-22 season. Yep. Uh, my worst moment is Tampa game two, uh, Ross Colton game winning goal. Um, it's really unfortunate because looking back on it now, uh, that is the last time that I, that I will have seen Jonathan Huberdeau play as a Florida Panther on uh, in person uh, or uh, and, and we, we never know what he's going to do when he's near his forties. If he's still playing, he can always, uh, Joe Thornton and come and come back down here. But, um, for the time being, it looks like that was the last time we're going to see Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger as Florida Panthers. And, uh, that was a tough way for them to go out, especially Mackenzie Weger. Um, but to be honest with you, I have never experienced a building quite like that. When that goal went in, um, it was, it was honestly as if, all the oxygen had left the building. Uh, you could not, the only thing you could hear were Tam- the Tampa bench celebrating. It was, you could hear that in, in the high seats. It was just the screaming from the Tampa Bay bench because it was so silent in that building. No one could understand what had just happened. So that's my number one worst moment. And that's probably the worst moment I've ever witnessed in person in, in sports. So that's my number one. Yeah. And, when you look back on that series games two and four were just so close and it's a game of inches and then one little mistake here and there. And, you know, and, game- and keep, in, keep in mind that the Panthers um, had going in, going into that up to that point had not lost an overtime game at home all year, um, whether regular season, uh, they hadn't had any home overtime games in the playoffs, but they had won their the overtime games in the playoffs that they did have on the road. I really feel like they would have won that game in OT if they had just gotten there. They, they, for whatever reason, had the clutch gene, and they, they did not lose OT games at home. So I felt like they had it in the bag if they got it to OT. So. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, hard, hard to hard to swallow and, and still to look back on that one. But we're going to, you know, we're going to transition from the sad moments to talk about the best moments of of this uh, 2021-22 season. We're, we're going to discuss that next here on Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Continuing this Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Now we're going to be talking about best moments in the 2021-22 season i have a few i want to list my honorable mentions first and this one is a funny one uh has nothing to do with the play on the ice january 11th the home game against the vancouver canucks that viral video of kodak black (laughs) shared by at david 954 fla in that win against vancouver so that was that was a pretty funny moment and then of course his suite was right next to gm bill zito and roberto luongo right there so that's a that's an honorable mention another one is owen tippett's goal against the minnesota wild where ekblad was double teamed drop uh drop pass to owen tippett and he scores on cam talbot and of course coming back from the olympic break and sweeping the carolina hurricanes on a nationally televised game um but my number five and this is this is one that the florida panthers fan base and GM Bill Zito were proven right when this person was bought out. And it was the October 23rd game against the Philadelphia Flyers on the road, a, a very early game. I, I, if I remember correctly, the game was tied, and the Florida yeah. Panthers scored a shorthanded goal earlier. Keith Yandel on the power play just passes it to nobody. And then uh, Sam Sam Reinhart and John Huberto take it the other way. Um their first attempt doesn't get through. And then Jonathan Huberto's second attempt go, goes through uh, Carter Hart. And that that that's the game-winning goal uh, there. And uh, it, it proved the Panthers fan base and Bill Zito right in that moment. Definitely. Um, I'm going to give you my honorable mentions first. Um, number one honorable mention is that we're going to be traded for Claude Giroux. Um, that was just a kind of monumental moment for the franchise. It's the validation that we hadn't had in a long time. A star player. Uh, specifically requested to come to Florida and made it happen. So the trade for Claude Giroux, I wish the the union with him would have lasted a little bit longer, but for the time we did have him, it was very exciting. Um, another honorable mention is Mason Marchment, now former Panther, another one I uh, wish we could have kept, but his six-point game against Columbus, Columbus. came out of nowhere. Uh, no one saw that coming at all. Uh, Mason Marchment is not, was not known as a prolific scorer. He, he puts up six points against Columbus in a completely dominant effort. And, um, you know, that, that game contributes significantly to the contract he got uh, this summer. Um, and then I have the comeback win versus the New Jersey Devils. Um, this would have been higher on the list if it was a home game. Uh, so you can really experience it. But given that it was an away game and we're watching uh, from a distance, I have it as an honorable mention. That was that was electric, that, that comeback. And... Uh, not to give anyone uh, any any fears about what uh, who was in goal that game, but it's it was Andrew the Hamburglar Hammond. He was in goal for the Devils in that game. I uh, gave up seven goals in that comeback. He is now a Florida Panther on a, a PTO, so hopefully he has a little bit better luck on the other side. Um, so those are my honorable mentions. Uh, my number five. This may be higher on your list, um, but number five for me is Game Six against the Washington Capitals. Panthers finally win a playoff series and advance to the second round. Uh, I wish it would have been at home. That would have been 
just an out-of-body experience. But uh, Game 6 versus Washington, finally getting out of the first round after all these years, that's my number five. Hmm. I'm surprised you have that uh, that low on your list. Uh, in- interesting to see what the other um, other ones are. Um, number four for me is the multiple we want 10 games. Um, Dallas, Columbus twice, Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay just coming out of the the COVID uh, break, even though Tampa Bay was shorthanded in that game due to their COVID outbreak. But just hearing he, – and three of those we want 10 games were home games, um, while the Columbus one was a road game. Uh, well, one of them at least. Um, and then Zach Wierenski talking about how embarrassing it is. Um, and just – and one of them – the we want 10 games were on back-to-back days, Dallas and Columbus in January. So the, we want 10 games and then hearing how electric the crowd was just, it was a scoring barrage for the Panthers. So uh, number four is the multiple. We want 10 games. Yeah, that's a, that was a really interesting trend how that just, it happens one time against Tampa and all of a sudden that's kind of the slogan for the season. So um, I thought that was great. Uh, I wish we would have gotten a 10 at least once, though. Uh, that would have been – I can't imagine what the building would have been like if we actually did hit 10. Uh, my number four is a late-season game against the Buffalo Sabres. Um, Panthers came out really, really flat in that one. Um, they were trailing for a bit, and then all of a sudden, uh, like we saw so many times, they just kind of flipped a switch and took over the game. What really stands out about this one is the third period the Panthers had. Um, late in the third – it looked like Buffalo had the game won. Uh, they had a, a wide open net. I think it was Victor Olofsson had a, a chance to win it all. And uh, Sergei Bobrovsky makes an incredible save. And then late, late, late in that game, less than a minute left, Huberdeau made, makes an incredible pass, uh, sliding, honestly, from his stomach, gets it to Barkov, and Barkov finds Sam Bennett right at the net front uh, for the game-winning goal. That game was spectacular, uh, one of the best regular season games this year. And funny story about that one was that, you know this, but I'm not sure everyone else knows this. Just a few hours before that game, I was traveling with my girlfriend. Uh, we were on our way down from Orlando to see that one. And we ran into to Sasha Barkov on the beach that morning um, as, he was, as he was preparing for the game. And Barky, one of the nicest guys on the entire, in, in the entire sports world, um, left the beach and walked probably half a mile to, to our car. Uh, to sign to sign a Panthers jersey and everything with his name on it. So uh, to see him rewarded with the the assist, the great play on the game winning goal, the day he went out of his way behind the scenes to do something nice was was really cool. I enjoyed seeing that. So uh, shout out to Barkov and and Sam Bennett for making him look good with the game winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it made sense when when it was like no morning skate that day. That was a front end of a back to back before they traveled to Nashville that that very next day. Um, so, and I, I believe that was a game where the Buffalo Sabres had uh, their fair of COVID uh, uh, outbreaks and they had to fly in one of their goalies. It, I might be mixing that up with the first uh, matchup against Buffalo because that was another one of their comebacks. Um, but number three for me was the pre- getting the President's Trophy. I know it's a sore subject in this fan base still after the, how the Panthers went, went, went out. But, you know, you rest half the players. You still find a way to win 4 nothing against Ottawa, who before that game were, you know, they were going on a little bit of a streak. So 
you know, this was an opportunity for a little bit of a trap game, even though even if they didn't win the President's Trophy, no big deal. You know, first time ever in franchise history going through that, you know, and then we wait a few hours watching Colorado Nashville waiting to see knowing that any type of loss for Colorado would have been clinching the president's trophy for, for the Panthers. And of course um, have that highlight video of, of Nick and I celebrating uh, getting, mm-hmm. getting the president's trophy lot as we're reacting live um, to it. So that was a cool moment uh, for me as my number three, um, as my number three. I, I honestly, as, as much as we feel like the president's trophy was cursed and everything, I felt like it was it was a good it was a good uh, accolade to take, and it's something that they can use to build on. Uh, for me, my number three is the um, my number three is the opening night win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. I've got that as my number three. Uh, Aaron Ekblad's return game scores two goals, and then Carter Verhage ends up winning it in overtime. So that's my number three. And Bobrovsky made a. Big save on Evan Rodriguez at the other end, um, in in overtime, and that was just fast paced three on three hockey in that overtime, and then Duke goes from line three to line one within a period, as well. So that was just a fun one. <coughs> All right, number two, April fifth against the Toronto Maple Leafs, five to one, down five one. And then it all changed when uh, when Radko Gudis had that shorthanded goal, scoring from the blue line on a on a slap shot, and you know, just the fact that Gudis scoring shorthanded on the rush going the other way, and and a guy who doesn't score often, that was the spark the Panthers needed to have that comeback. And of course, it means more because it's the division rival in Toronto. I'm having some audio issues. I can't hear you. All right. While we're waiting for Jacob Winans there, um, while while we're waiting for him, feel free to comment on the on in the comment section if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, talk, list up your uh, top five worst moments and top five best moments during this uh, Panthers season. There, there's many of them. Um, you know, this was a hard list to make for for myself. Uh, it was easier for the best moments um, because there were so many to choose from, and there were not as many uh, worst moments. But if you're listening to this in audio form, make sure to tweet at me at lo underscore fla panthers, or you can email me your top five worst mo- and best moments as, as well. Uh, at LockedOnFLAPanthers at gmail.com. And let, let's see if Jacob Winans is back on the stream. Can you hear me, Jacob? I can hear you now. Yes, we're back. Uh, we're back on. Uh, all right. So, Jacob, number two for me, I don't know if you heard me the first time I ta- uh, I spoke about April 5th, the the comeback against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the um, down 5-1, Rakugu scores from the blue line, and then the and then the – he gets it through. He gets it through. Uh, I believe. I. I. I believe, I'm not sure if it was after uh, Shalgren got injured and Jack Campbell came in, but that was the start of the comeback for the Panthers. So that's my number two. My number two is that same game. Uh, it was actually it. It was Shalgren and Net when uh, Radko Gudis scored that goal. Um, 
but yeah, that game was absolutely electric. And um, the the game winner from Huberdeau uh, and and Barkov connecting in overtime uh, was honestly that that game was probably the the most exhilarating game the Panthers had all season. So uh, that was that's also my number two. And uh, it really it really strengthened Huberdeau's MVP case. Uh, I felt like he should have gotten more respect at that time because he had outscored Austin Matthews twice uh, in head-to-head matchups and ended up winning winning the season series against them. So I felt like. Yeah, I felt like that game gave us a lot of bragging rights, and I I think it gave the Panthers a lot of confidence heading into the playoffs. So that was my number two as well. Number one for me, and you had this a lot lower on your list, but May 13th, the the clinching the first playoff series win since 1996. The Panthers didn't look their their best in that series, of course. there were a uh, Ferrari empty net goal in game four away from being down three, one and having a major hill to climb. But I remember just coming back to Orlando after being coming back from game five, that another three goal comeback, by the way, even though that funny enough, that's not in my top uh, five um, mostly because at that point I was like, not shocked anymore. <laughs> we were so used to it. Um, but I remember just having my notes out, my, my folding table, and then when Carter Verhage scores that game-winning goal, um, I remember just running across my apartment, just celebrating because it's something that I'd never experienced as a fan before of this team. So clinching the first playoff series win since 1996 was my number one moment of the season. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned game five against the Caps because that's actually my number one moment of the season, uh, even more so than actually winning the series. I feel like winning that game five kind of set the table. Uh, everyone knows the winner of a game five in a two-two series usually goes on to win the series. And um, winning that one, it felt like the Panthers had they had kind of had the series won. Now, as Panther fans, you know never to get your hopes up too high. Uh, even when you feel like you have it in the bag, something usually happens to make it all go wrong. But uh, this year, that wasn't the case. And that game five was absolutely electric. Um, being down three-zero, it, it really felt like. People never thought we were out of it Uh, in the building. Everyone was still high energy. And that was probably the best hockey game of Carter Brahegi's life. Um, Has five points and tallied on all five goals, whether he scored or assisted. Um, And it was pretty incredible. And and, uh, Patrick Hornquist getting the second goal of the game uh, felt like that really took some of the life out of the Caps, uh, just given who he is. Uh, his time in Pittsburgh, very, very much hated by the Washington Capitals. And for him to get a goal after that, you felt like the Panthers, they were just, they were ready to take that game over. Um, And the place just absolutely exploded when Claude Giroux scored uh, the fifth goal to put that one away. So that's my number one moment for the season. That was the best game I went to this year. Definitely. Mm. I remember just being in the press box next to Alex Baumgartner and just when it was, and remember, let's not forget, Anton Lindell got a goal taken away because the the ref blew his whistle. Um, it was under uh, Samsonov as well. There was a goal by Washington that was originally counted, but there was an offside. The, the putt uh, came out of the zone just for a little bit. I remember just saying, that's offside. That's not a goal. That's not a goal. And then when I remember when it was 3-1, when they scored the first one, I just did this. There's one. The second one. I looked over to Alex Baumgartner. That's two. And then we were just in dis. Uh, we were in. Di- I was in disbelief, 
but at the same time it was just that we that we just saw seen this before and it was just like okay they could they could do this in the playoffs too even though it's not a recipe for success um and i remember i was just talking to david dwork and both him and aaron brown and just asking the question make this make sense how, how does this keep happening and both of their answers were playoff hockey no league yep. is safe so exactly that that game uh I wanted to ask you about that game in particular. Once it once it got to a three three tie, was it just me or did did like everyone just kind of know at that point like we're gonna win this game? It, it, it almost seemed like a formality, even though it was tied. You just kind of knew like we know how this ends, and we're we're gonna win this one. And and Bob stood on his head the whole third period. We it was just a matter of time before they got the the game winning goal and then the game clinching goal. It just seemed like it was all it was all gonna happen no matter what Washington did. So that was. It's it's fun when you're on a roll like that. That was that was a really really fun game to watch. Definitely, momentum truly is something in sports. Uh, when you're just feeling it, you're just feeling it, and that's really what the Panthers had in in that game five win over over Washington in that one. But it it's funny how you and I really had different views uh, of top five for this one. So a little bit of a surprise of what our both our number ones uh, were. And you know what? Great moments of this season. Um, you know. We're likely there's probably going to be fans out there um, who even disagree with our list. And while you while while you were getting back on the on the stream, I was telling the fans um, comment on the YouTube video. Tell us what your um, top five best and worst moments of the 2021-22 um, Panthers season last year. Um, and if you're on audio, uh, tweet at LO underscore FLA Panthers or email me at lockdownflapanthers at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to also tag Jacob as well and tell tell us what how you, how you feel about this list. But Jacob, I want to thank you once again for for coming on this ex, an exciting episode of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. We're about a month away from the from the season starting a little bit over. Uh, as of Tuesday night, we are Brian Campbell days away from opening night 51 so by the time this drops it'll be 50 so uh jacob tell everybody where they can follow you online definitely follow me online at jacob one is eight on twitter and definitely tag me in those posts about your top five moments i'm actually really looking forward to reading some of those uh and you can find my work at pantherparkway.com awesome thank you so much jacob and i'll see you next wednesday yes sir thanks for having me and if you like what you're hearing please subscribe to the podcast you'll be notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Stu Roden. We'll be covering all the off-season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listener of the day. And for your second listener of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked on NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast. Summer Armando Velez with Jacob Winans. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where's your team? Every day. <laughs>